Welcome to CBJ in 30, the official podcast of the Columbus Blue Jackets. Here's Bob McElligot. Welcome to another Monday mailbag. Coming off a pretty good weekend for the Blue Jackets. It didn't look like it was going to be good when it started, to be honest with you. But it was. Worked out all right. I want to tell you right now, if you haven't sent your question to me on Twitter, you can do that. Send it to me at Bobby Mac Sports, or if you're with me live on Twitter Spaces right now, all you have to do is request to be a speaker, and I will bring you up, and we will chat. It's as simple as that. Okay, let's talk about the weekend that the Blue Jackets had. They had a home-and-home series with the Toronto Maple Leafs Friday night at Nationwide Arena, Saturday night in Toronto. The Blue Jackets were just coming off their long all-star break. They hadn't played since February the 2nd. And so they were back on home ice on Friday. And it is uh, very legit if you say to me, Bob, there was only one player that showed up in that game on Friday night, and that was Jonas Corposalo. That would be legit because everybody else struggled. He did not, and it's a good thing that he didn't. The Leafs got out to a one to nothing lead in the first period on a John Tavares power play goal. And they very well could have been up three or four goals in the first period alone. But Corposalo was just clutch. He just shut the door. Um, William Nylander was a guy that had to come out of that game on Friday just wondering, what the heck do I have to do to get a goal? Because he couldn't figure it out. He just couldn't figure it out. Corpusolo just shut him down every time he came around the net. But it was a one to nothing game into the third period, and then the Leafs got a couple of breaks uh, that were pretty close to one another. They popped in two quick goals, and they won the game 3 to nothing. So that was the start to the weekend. And then going to Toronto to play them again the next night, you're not feeling so confident, right, just because of what you saw happen. And then the Maple Leafs get up 2 to nothing early in the game on Saturday. And at the end of the first period, you feel like, oh, boy, this is, um, this is not going to go well. But that would have been a lie. It was a lie. The Blue Jackets turned it into a lie because they started the work. And that work paid off in the way of getting goals. And it all started with Boone Jenner, who I thought was outstanding in that game on Saturday. He scored the first goal, took a 2 to nothing lead, made it a 2-1 to one game, and the Blue Jackets had some spark. And they eventually tied the game at 2. Then they took a 3-2 to two lead. Then Toronto, early in the third period on a power play, they tied it up at 3. And at that point, it could have gone right back to the Leafs, but the Blue Jackets made sure it didn't happen. Cole Sillinger and Kent Johnson team up to get the fourth goal, and the Blue Jackets make it stand, and they win 4-3. to three. They split the home-and-home home series, and they get a, a big a big win on the road. Really, really big win on the road. Uh, Joseph Wall started in goal for the Toronto Maple Leafs. Yeah, he's a rookie. Yeah, he was making his season debut. Yeah, he had only played four previous games in the NHL, but he had very good numbers in those games, and he had really good numbers in the American Hockey League before he got called up. And he looked really good early in the game. And he looked really not that good by the end of the game. The Blue Jackets were able to get to him. So uh, kudos to them for the good work that they did in splitting that home-and-home home series with the Maple Leafs. The Blue Jackets getting some momentum out of that second game. Came back, had a practice today at Nationwide Arena. They'll be ready to go tomorrow night against the New Jersey Devils on Valentine's Day. You think the schedule maker, when he puts that game on the schedule, laughs to himself, I would. If it was me, I totally would. I would be like, 
I'm going to do this just to do this. You're going to play on Valentine's Day, and you're going to play against the Devils. <laughs> I would do it just to amuse myself, quite frankly. So I don't know if the schedule maker is like me. Probably not, because if I did it, it would be a lot better schedule. Better schedule for me. More favorable to me is how I would do it, which is why I don't do it. But anyway, that's how the Blue Jackets ended up the weekend with that split as they get ready to play at home tomorrow night. Now, before I get to the questions, I want to step away from the NHL for just a moment, and I want to congratulate the Olentangy Liberty Patriots, who were the winners yesterday afternoon of the Blue Jackets Cup. Now, the Blue Jackets Cup is the, the Capital Hockey Conference here in Central Ohio. I should say, I guess, Central and Southern Ohio because there are Cincinnati teams that are in the conference, too. Um they have their – it's a conference tournament, essentially. They play for the Blue Jackets Cup. And Olentangy Liberty played Olentangy Berlin, shut them out 3 to nothing, and they win the Blue Jackets Cup. And now all of the high school teams are getting set for the start of the high school state tournament, which gets underway this week. In a couple of weeks from now, the Final Four will be at Nationwide Arena, and then uh, they'll play the Final Four, and then the next day they'll come back and somebody will be crowned the high school hockey state champion right here in Columbus. But uh, I was there yesterday, and it was fun for me. It's funny because you do the two games, the Blue Jackets-Maple Leafs Friday, Saturday. You get back late on Saturday night. It takes a while to go through customs over at the airport. Uh, You don't get home until late. And the next day, you're saying, you know, I wish I had the day off. I, I don't know if I really feel like going to this high school hockey game. You know you're going to go because you said you're going to be there. You're a man of your word. But in the back of your mind, you're thinking, oh, I'm just tired. I just wish I didn't have to do this. And then you get there to the ice house, and you walk in. And I walked in during the third period of the consolation uh, game, which was Dublin Jerome against uh, St. Xavier from Cincinnati. And you walk in, and you see how excited all the parents are and the students are, and you see two teams playing against each other just for the love of the game. They're not getting paid. They're just enjoying the game and enjoying playing with their teammates and their friends, and and it rejuvenates you. It really does, and it was really fun to watch that game and call that game that I called yesterday afternoon. And, and look, the Olentangy Liberty team, they've got a good team. Uh, somebody from this region is going to be in the Final Four. It very well could be them. I think they're 32-1-1 on the year. Ridiculous record. They will be challenged, and it gets it gets tough, especially when you you start getting uh, – once you get into the Final Four, you're, you're playing teams from Cleveland and Toledo, and both of those places have had high school hockey a lot longer than we've had it here in Columbus. It's better, but we're catching up. So uh, – Maybe that Liberty team wins, and they wind up in the Final Four. Somebody from here is going to be in there. So good luck to all of the high school teams that are getting their tournament started this week. And now everybody's in a situation where, especially if you're a senior, next time you lose, it's over. So everybody's going to give everything they have in all of the games that are left. So let's start talking about the the Blue Jackets and the NHL once again here as I go to your questions Going to start on Twitter, at Bobby Mac Sports, and here's a question from Andy McClain. And Andy says, I thought your observation of Line A and Roslovic and how that pair works better together than apart was spot on. 
So before I finish Andy's question, I want to tell you what the reference is to. On Saturday night in Toronto, Dylan Tyre was with me. We were talking about line A and Roslovic, and they do play well together. They just kind of work together for whatever reason. And a couple of weeks ago, we were in Calgary, and I saw Jack Roslovic outside the dressing room, and I, I asked him the question. I said, Jack, why do you and Patty work together so well? Is it from your time in Winnipeg? Does that carry over? And he goes, no, I never really played with him in Winnipeg, so that has nothing to do with it. I don't know. It, we just do. And sometimes that's the answer, right? We just do. We just play well together. We read off of each other. But if you break it down a little bit further and you look at the, the two players and there are differences in the two in the way that, number one, they carry the puck. Jack Roslovic is very good at getting the puck in his own zone and carrying it all the way through the neutral zone and into the offensive zone. You know, when Jack has problems with turnovers, it's really not because he's turning it over at the blue line when he's skating in. That's not where he has his problems because what happens is he makes some passes to the middle of the ice or he makes some passes just inside the blue line where it is um, ill-advised. Let's say that. Let's say ill-advised and turns it over there. He does that more so than turn it over while skating the puck in over the blue line. Patrick, line A, different story. Now, line A routinely draws two and three guys to him when he's trying to skate the puck into the offensive zone. But he gets the puck knocked off his stick a lot when he's trying to enter the zone. So they're different in that regard, first and foremost. So if you got one guy that can get it in there, perfect. The other guy's a shooter anyway. Patrick Line is a shooter. Sometimes you don't know it because he tries to make passes where he should be shooting it, but the fact is he's a shooter. So if you got one guy that can get the puck in the zone and establish it, now you have a chance to set things up for your shooter. So that was the point that we made during the game on Saturday just to give you the background on what Andy is talking about here. So to finish Andy's question, he says, from your advantage point, what are some of the combinations of players that balance out team play? Well, in addition to those two guys, I think that, um, you know, Boone Jenner and Johnny Gaudreau, they've worked well together. And they played with Kirill Marchenko the other night on their wing. I really like that. And Marchenko had two points in the game. He had a goal and an assist. That's right. You heard me. He had an assist in the National Hockey League. Can you believe it? Um, but the thing is, um, you know, Boone and Johnny work together well. Brad Larson always says that, Johnny is, even though he can shoot the puck and he can score, he's more of a playmaker. He likes to get the assist. He likes to set things up. And Marchenko is a pure shooter. And Brad Larson always says he wants a shooter on that other wing. That's why Line has been there a lot. And sometimes that works and sometimes it doesn't. He put Bemstrom on there because Bemstrom's a shooter. That didn't really work. So Marchenko got the opportunity, made the most of it for one night. Here's what I think personally about that. I... I think that guy is going to be hard to get off that line. And I'm talking about Marchenko. I really do. I, I think if he wants to stay there, just because of the way he plays, I think he can absolutely stay there. He hounds guys with the puck. He's very aggressive. He doesn't take a shift off. And he shoots the heck out of the puck. So to me, now that he's finally got that opportunity to get up there and play on that line, and you can say, what took so long? That's a legit question. And I know if I asked Brad Larson that, he would say patience because that's his word with these young players. And I get it. 
But anyway, does that none of that matters. He's now there. I think he can stay there. I think he can stay there for a long time if he just continues to do the things that he does. And I don't see any reason why Kirill Marchenko would ever do anything different because we haven't seen him do anything different ever since he arrived from Cleveland. So Johnny and Boone, that pair works well together. The Corrali Robinson and Olivier line, they all work. That's why they're always together. The only time there's ever a change is if they move Robinson up and they put Foodie there. But those three guys, and if, to go back to that game in Toronto specifically on Saturday, I thought there were two players that led the Blue Jackets to victory in that game. One was Boone Jenner. He was playing hard, and he gets the first goal of the game. He drug his team into the fight. The other was Sean Corrali, who I know is an emotional guy, and he always plays with emotion, but I thought that he was playing a little bit extra pissed off on Saturday. That's what I thought from watching him. I just thought he had a little bit more of a snarl to his game on Saturday than – I shouldn't say than he normally does. I, I think he always does, but I don't know that it's always that prevalent from the stands and from the press box as I felt that it was on Saturday. I felt like he was really a man on a mission on Saturday night. So, uh, those two guys, to me, just really willed the Blue Jackets to victory in Toronto. But, again, the Crowley line, that works. Now, Sillinger and Kent Johnson, I think it's still a work in progress, but I think it is starting to work. And you look at the game-winning goal in Toronto, Sillinger fires a puck, which, by the way, I've got to tell you, For a guy that has struggled this year when it comes to getting points, I thought that was one of the most aggressive shots, confident shots, that he has taken all year long. I mean, he just whipped that puck to the net. And sometimes when you're struggling offensively, if you lose confidence, you don't shoot that puck. You're looking to make a play. He shot it. And it very well might have been his goal if Kent Johnson hadn't tipped it. So they're starting to work together. So, Andy, when you ask me about uh, the other combinations of players that balance out team play, that's my, that's my analysis for you on that. So I hope that answers your question. Barrick Nichols says, what is Lane Peterson bringing to the team? And do you think his signing will be the start of sending the kids to Cleveland for development? Well, the first thing he, th- he brings is he can play the center position. So that is first and foremost right there. Um, he's here now. He skated today. Uh, Brad Larson said after practice today, he's still not sure on what he might do with him tomorrow. I'll give you my prediction what happens with Lane Peterson tomorrow. Nothing. And I say that because the Blue Jackets won on Saturday. Brad Larson is the type of coach that many times gives the same lineup the opportunity to go out there and do it again. So if Lane Peterson has to wait another day, it's not going to surprise me at all. I could be wrong on that, but I'm just saying, if he doesn't play tomorrow night, that will not surprise me at all. But again, he is a centerman, so that is first and foremost. Does Is this the uh, a sign that there are players that will start to be sent to Cleveland? It could be. I don't know if it is, but it could be. I was just talking about Cole Sillinger. He plays the center position. He struggled all year. Could he be a guy that they would consider putting in Cleveland? Look, at some point, and we've talked about this, this season for the Blue Jackets 
has been a very tough pill to swallow. No doubt about it. This is a team that thought that they were going to be in contention for a playoff spot, and now they're in contention for the first overall pick. Okay? So it's been a hard pill to swallow, first and foremost. Secondly, the Cleveland Monsters have taken a huge hit because most of the players that they would have are here playing in the National Hockey League. And as it stands, they are four points out of a playoff spot. If the Cleveland Monsters don't make the playoffs, you can make the argument that this really has been a lost season. Unless you get Connor Bedard, then I guess everything's all well and good. But it would the ideal thing is that they get into the playoffs and you can get some of these young guys onto that roster and they can experience professional playoff hockey. It's a good playoffs in the American Hockey League. And we saw it a number of years ago when Cleveland won it. So you want to get them that experience. So you've got to find, to me, you've got to find a way to get Cleveland into the playoffs. Have to. It's not even a maybe. You have to. You've got to find a way to do it. And if that way is going to be by sending some of these players down, then so be it. So Peterson, again, I I don't know if this is the sign that uh, here we go with this. But it very well could be. We'll have to wait and see. First, we have to wait for him to get into the lineup here, and then we got to watch him play, and then everything goes from there. But it could be. It very well could be. All right, let me go live on Twitter Spaces right now where I've got Zach waiting patiently. Hello, Zach. How's it going, Bob? Good. How are you? Uh, Pretty good. So uh, with all the recent trade-related scratches with Jacob Chikrin, do you think we start to see the same thing with Vladislav Gavrikov with the deadline coming up? Well, that'd be kind of hard to do because there's already such a a lack of NHL experience on that blue line, right? Uh, it it could happen, but but I think that um, I think he'll probably just go ahead and keep on playing until that time comes because you know we've already seen so many guys there this year, and um, I don't know, I. Maybe if it got really close, maybe if it was going to be like, let's say there were conversations tomorrow and it might happen during the game or it might happen Wednesday morning, then something like that. But I I don't think they're going to start sitting him for numerous games or anything like that. Yeah, I wasn't sure with Gus Nyquist already going down with the season ender before the deadline. Well, and and that's a a really good point. I mean, you want to have the guy healthy so that he can play. But again, you're just in such a situation here where (laughs) <laughs> your defense is, in many regards, it stunk all year because of not having the guys that you want to have on the blue line. So, um, I don't know. It, it could happen. I don't see it happening, but uh, I, I certainly understand your question because that's a great point. If something were to happen to him, all of a sudden you're going to be standing there empty-handed instead of having the potential of getting a first-round pick coming back the other way. Yep. All right. Thank you for having me on. All right, Jack. Thank you very much. Again, if you're live on Twitter Spaces and you would like to uh, ask a question, all you have to do is request to be a speaker, and you can uh, you can come on and ask your question just like Zach did. That's a really good question. I mean, where do you where do you um, draw the line? Where do you where do you, do you decide to be cautious, or when do you decide to be cautious, um, so that you still have the asset that you not only the asset that you want, but in this case, the asset that you need. But I, I just don't think we're still look. Today's the thirteenth of February. The trade deadline's March the third. 
So it's not going to happen two weeks out. But again, with Chickering starting to get scratched, but you know there are rumors that uh, that they're getting close to making a deal. Jordan is next up on this Monday mailbag. So Jordan, what's on your mind? Not a whole lot, but just uh, planning to be excited about how uh, Lane Pedersen's going to be for the Jackets roster. Uh, I want to hear what uh, what made the team decide to pick up Pedersen off waivers. You know what I mean? Well, I think it's what I was talking about a moment ago here. Jordan, is, he's a centerman. They have a uh, they have a need for centermen. You know, look, I, I don't know who they're going to trade by the time the deadline comes, but uh, you know, we all have seen rumors out there that, you know, if Jack Roslevic happens to be a guy that you can all of a sudden get some value back for, maybe they would, uh, maybe they would do that. Maybe they do want to get Cole Sillinger down to the American Hockey League and, and let him get uh, some experience there and try to – get his scoring touch back and get the monsters back into a playoff race. So you can't do that if you don't have any centermen. And they've had their problems in Cleveland, too. With uh, I know that uh, Brendan Gauntz was hurt, so it's not like you even had that centerman to bring up here and flip for somebody. So, you know, getting him, again, I think because he plays the center position and the Blue Jackets are weak in that position overall, that was uh, first and foremost to bring him in so that they can start to make some decisions and – and move some guys around, whether it's move them out for assets or maybe move them to the American Hockey League for experience. So that that's where I think it's going. I think that's why they got him. Exactly. I mean, every team is built different. You know, I've seen like even Carson Meyer playing much better. I mean, think about even Foodie or Benstrom. I mean, there's there's more chemistry in those guys that they're. I mean, take a look at Emil. I mean, he's he's getting there, but I don't see Foodie maybe making any you know, progress at this time. But, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, that's a big question, in my opinion. You know what I mean? Well, yeah, and, uh, you know, I think I would uh, – I think I disagree with you on Bemstrom getting there. I, I Again, I think Bemstrom is that potential guy, but we've been waiting for this potential now for four years. And it, I don't know. It's so tough because I know he's got a great shot, and I know he's a great kid. And, but I'm, I'm just, you know, we keep on waiting and waiting. And, and yeah, Liam Foodie is, he's on the same list. But, um, you know, for those guys to go back to the American Hockey League, they've got to clear waivers. So I, they're not going to want to do that. They're not going to want to risk that. And, you know, and, and we could have that talk all day long, whether or not it's a risk, whether or not somebody else is going to take either one of those players. Um, but I, I just like those guys to me, if you're asking me, and again, I'm not a GM, but if you're asking me, are those guys going to be in the long-term plans of this franchise? My answer is no. I mean, Liam food, he's a good kid and he has some attributes. Um, he hasn't scored a regular season goal and it's not even that it's just that it, does he jump off the page when he's on the ice? No. And again, look in Toronto in the third period the other day. Brad Larson goes back to three lines. And when he goes to three lines, who are the three guys that are out? Roslevic, Bemstrom, Foodie. And that's pretty consistent. So if you're consistently being the odd man out instead of being one of the nine guys left in on a team that's in last place in the league, I don't think I need to say any more. Morgan. 
is next up here on the Monday Mailbag. Hello, Morgan. Hi, Bob. <clears throat> um, first of all, thanks for giving Rody some Rosie some credit because I feel like he gets uh, looked over. But um, my real question is more of a nationwide arena question. Okay. If you were going on a Valentine's date to tomorrow night's game, what would you consider the ideal arena dinner out? Arena dinner out. Um, what kind of food do you like? I mean, I like everything, but I just thought it would be more fun to, to hear about the options. Okay. So. I mean, like, if you like the, the Mexican food that uh, Nana's right next door here. Uh, personally, I haven't done it for a long, long time, and and I need to do it, and, and maybe I should. But Martini's, I, I, I just love that place. I love the, the ambiance and the atmosphere there. And um, I like going there, and then, of course, it's a short walk right over to the rink. So, you know, especially if you like some Italian, I would I would suggest that. That that would be my that would be my go to if you're asking me what I would do that would be my go to. Does that help you, Morgan? Yep. Thanks, Bob. All right. Thank you. I was like, what? Did I give the wrong answer? What did I do? <laughs> anyway, all is good. All is good. Uh, let's see. Let's get back on here and get somebody else up on this uh, Monday mailbag here today. As we wait for the Blue Jackets to play against the Devils on Valentine's Day tomorrow. Again, I still think that's hilarious. Connor is up next on the Monday Mailbag. How are you? Hey, Bob. Can you hear me okay? I can hear you fine. All right. So my question is, uh, I've been seeing a lot of the more, I guess you can call them fickle fans online, um, saying that this team needs a complete rebuild uh, to make the playoffs again. I believe if my memory serves me correctly, we haven't made the playoffs since 2020 uh, during in the bubble right do you agree with that or what can this what can we do to um make the playoffs again well i think this team is is pretty much in that rebuild right now despite people want to call it retooling uh reloading whatever it is but the fact of the matter is you you are rebuilding and you got to be bad to be good and they didn't plan on being this as bad as they are this year but they have a chance to get good because of it. And that still might not even be next year. You, you might be bad again next year to get good the year after that. So I think that's kind of where it is right now. But, look, we were just talking about centermen. This team's got to find centermen somewhere, some way. And this draft has a couple of really good ones at the top, with uh, Bedard being, of course, the one that everybody wants, even if you don't get him, the Fantilli kid out of Michigan has a great upside to him. And uh, he's racking up points in college, and I know that's college, but uh, he's a big-body guy, and everybody everybody projects him as the number one centerman in the NHL. You got the Carlson kid who, uh, again, you're looking at the top three picks. You want to make sure that you end up in that top three anyway because you're going to get one of those three guys, and it's going to be a good pick. But, you know, the, the center position, we can talk about it all day. What do you got to do to get better? And you've got to get better at that position. And you've got to get better on defense. And hopefully that's going to come from some of the picks that were made last summer in the draft. David Yurchek's putting together a really nice year in Cleveland. I love that he's playing in Cleveland. I love that he's 18 and he's playing in Cleveland. You know, we could have a long conversation about the uh, development model for professional hockey where the, the players – 
most of them play junior hockey, and then you know you can't get them until they're twenty years old or, or whatever. You or if you try to send them down, you can't put them in the American Hockey League um, when they're eighteen and nineteen years old. They've got to go back to the junior team and. I, I would talk with you all day long about how I hate that, and I think it should be a baseball model where you could have them in uh, the American Hockey League and you could uh, go ahead and be developing them the way that you want to develop them as an organization. You own their rights. You're going to sign them. Some of them are already signed to entry-level contracts just waiting for when they turn pro. And, but you own them, and you own their rights, and they're, they're playing on some other team where they're being developed however it whatever it's going to take for that team to win. So – um, it's just, uh, it's what it is, but, uh, now I've almost lost my train of thought. I got so fired up about that whole thing, but yeah, until this team has better centermen and all, oh, I was talking about the defenseman, how I love that your checks able to play at 18 years old. That's going to make him a lot better player here next year when he comes up here to play. But hopefully the defensive help is going to come out of the draft last summer. And then, you know, you've got your free agents and you've got your, um, trade possibilities and look, and let's be honest again, too, in talking about free agents, okay? When you are looking for free agents, they have to want to come. And there has to be reasons for them to come. And, and the best reasons are you're a good team that has a chance to win the Stanley Cup. And that's why I think that this first overall pick thing is so important. And every other team that's in the running for this is looking at it the same way. So many things change. This year, if you get the first overall pick, if you get Connor Bedard, so many things change. And if you want, I'll tell you exactly what I think they are. First of all, um, you're, you're going to have a generational player, okay? So for all the ticket sales that you might lose because you were in last place, that's going to help you get a lot of them back. Maybe all of them, maybe more than all of them. For all the advertising revenue that you're going to lose, that's going to help you get a lot of it back, maybe all of it back. Um, and, and eventually, for players, why would you go to Edmonton? Would you go to Edmonton to, to live a quality life, or would you go to Edmonton to play with Connor McDavid? Why would you go to Pittsburgh? Would you go to Pittsburgh to live a quality life, or would you go to Pittsburgh to play with Sidney Crosby? Now, you might say to me, well, you could do both. Okay, yeah, you could do both in each of those cities, but only in those cities. Would you go to Colorado to play with Nathan McKinnon? Uh, Nathan McKinnon? Yeah, I would. I'd go to play with Sidney Crosby. I'd go to play with Connor McDavid. I'd do all of that. So it, it really it, it changes so much if you can get that. And if you don't get that, then you're going to get one of these other guys and you're going to start to get better at the center position. But it's, you know, you're not going to have your sales pitch is going to be different. It really is. Mine is. I know what my sales pitch is for Connor Bedard. I just gave it to you. If it's one of the other guys, it changes. I'm not saying it changes for the bad. It just changes. It's just how it is. Erwin, welcome to the Monday Mailbag. It wouldn't be a mailbag without you. How are you? Thank you, Bob. Uh, you know, I agree with you there. You know, you get Bedard, and it's the guys that he would attract to come here. And then in the event that he would have an injury, he might miss, you know, 10 or 15 games or whatever. You've got some really good players here to pick up the slack. You, it just it gives you so much insurance. Yeah, you're right. It's going to help help your revenues for sure. But the players that he would draw here that we really haven't been able to bring in in the past, that's a huge thing. In regard to Lane Pedersen, uh, I want to say 
he's your classic quadruple A player. He's had great success in the AHL, but it hasn't translated into the NHL yet. And one of his problems is every time that he gets to the NHL, he finds himself stuck on a checking line, and that just simply does not suit his game. And I know that won't be the case here. Our checking line, if you want to call it that, with Robinson and Corrali and Olivier, is pretty well locked in, barring an injury. And I think he's going to get opportunities here that he has not had in the past. I agree with you on that. They're, you're, they're, you're not knocking those guys off their pedestal. They've worked too hard all year to to um, not create those roles, but to embrace those roles. And they have been the most consistent trio all season long. So you're absolutely right. And, and as we were talking about, if, and I'm not saying it's happening, but, you know, if a Cole Sillinger were sent to Cleveland or if a Jack Roslovic were traded, then you're right. What either of those spots is going to be more of an opportunity than he may have gotten with another franchise. Yeah. As far as Saturday night's game goes, yeah, I hope the other fans can understand just the magnitude of that game. I mean, I've spent a lot of time in Toronto because I'm a Toronto Blue Jays baseball fan and I've made oodles and oodles of trips there. And I mean, one year I actually saw the Blue Jays play in person 60 times. That's how into them I have been. And, uh, in Toronto, the Maple Leafs are not just a hockey team. They are religion. And you get Hockey Night in Canada, which has been a tradition there for years. The CBC shows a, a game on Saturday night. And, and the thing is, sometimes it's a regional broadcast. Like if Montreal and Ottawa had been playing, then those markets would have gotten those games. But in this case... The only game was that game in Toronto. And so that Blue Jackets game was on coast to coast from Labrador, Newfoundland, all the way to Vancouver Island. And then later they had a second game with Winnipeg and Chicago, which started after the Blue Jackets game. But I mean, the whole entire country of Canada, I mean, it's, it's cold up there. You got snow. The weather's miserable. You stay in on Saturday night, you bring in the eats and you sit and you watch the hockey game. And so the whole country saw the Blue Jackets pull the Maple Leafs pants down and embarrass them. Because I loved every minute of that. If you if the hockey song that they sometimes play at the last intermission break in the third period at Nationwide Arena, the first thing he says is "Hello out there, we're on the air. It's hockey night tonight." That's what he's talking about. I mean, it, it's a big thing. And what I really liked about the game, you pointed out one thing. After the first ten minutes, Elvis was off the chart great. I loved it. And another thing, you're right, Sean Corrali, After he scored the the go ahead goal that made it three to two, not only was that crowd completely taken out of the game they sat there in stunned silence he out and went over and smacked the glass and was looking at the people in the seats and it's like I, I think the guy thrives in a hostile environment it isn't just enough for him that the players on the other team don't like him he wants to make good and sure that the fans on the other team they don't like him either and I think that's just something he gets off on I think that's uh the old Boston Bruin in him don't you think Oh, I would agree 100%. I think as a Bruin, he learned to hate the Maple Leafs. Yeah, you're yeah. right. Hey, let, let's talk about Elvis. I, I, I want to ask you a question, see if you agree with me on this one. I thought Elvis, look, the first two shots, uh, the first two goals, they um, he didn't look very strong on either one of those. They were, they were both top shelf. He was down and went over the shoulder under the crossbar. And, but I thought there was one, there was one puck that he gave away himself. He tried to play it. He played it right to the Leafs. He played it uh, into a two-on-one, and he got over there, and he bailed himself out of that. And I thought after that save in particular, that's when he was locked in and he was unbeatable. 
Yeah, 100% agree. And I think it had an impact on the entire team. You realize in the last 619 of that game, the Maple Leafs only had two shots on goal. And in the last three minutes after they pulled the goalie, not one. We had nine block shots in those three minutes. Yeah, that was it was a completely different game. Absolutely different game. And and I I I felt like the Leafs thought that and this happens and it happens with good teams. I thought once they went up two to nothing, they're saying, Hey, we beat them three to nothing last night, we're up two to nothing, we're at home. As you just said, it's hockey night in Canada. We have got this taken care of. And I'm not saying that they pumped the brakes, but I think they forgot they had a rookie goaltender playing and, and they were reminded in a hard way. Yeah. You know, another thing I liked in those last couple of minutes, and, and it's, we were basically in a three-minute penalty kill out there because they had pulled the goalie. We stuck uh, Marchenko out there to play, and I really like that. And I think one of the reasons might have been they might have said, look, we don't have Gus Nyquist here. This might be the guy who has the best shot at, at the empty net. But he was out there playing, and I really like that because I like the coaches have the confidence to use him in any situation. And the final thing is, in the third, late second and third period out there, there were some Maple Leaf players trying to bait some of our guys, like the Branson and Olivier and, and Corrali, into a fight. And, you know, there's a good time to have a fight and a bad time to have a fight. And that would have been a bad time to have a fight because they had taken the crowd completely out of that game. And I think a fight would have brought them back in it. Yeah, I agree with you 100%. So, uh, yeah, those are those are all, all great points. Absolutely great points. Well, well, we'll see what happens. Uh, with this roster, you have any predictions? What do you What do you think? Like all these rumors are flying around, Irwin. You're pretty locked in here. You know the Coyotes are saying uh, Chikrin is not going to play for the rest of the week. He'll be a healthy scratch the rest of the week. Frank Saravelli is saying that he's hearing the Coyotes are they're willing to retain money on Chikrin's contract. So it looks like he might be on the move here. But but uh, what do you What do you see? Do you see anything? You see anything that might be a surprise happening with the Blue Jackets? What do you think? Uh, not really. I, I think they're going to try and, go, and get value for whoever they can. I think John Davidson was really honest with you when he uh, did the, the uh, show on Wednesday night a couple of weeks ago. They're in quite a conundrum right now with the goalies. I, I'm not sure if they 100% know what to do. Uh, it's not rational to keep three goalies. they got to figure out who stays and who goes. And, I mean, it's encouraging that Elvis had that great game on Saturday night, but that's not enough great games to bring up his trade value. So that's something they're going to have to figure out one way or another. And whatever the decision is, they're going to have to live with it. Uh, so far as Nyquist goes, he could get moved, but we're not going to get the value we might have got for him. But you got to remember when Detroit traded him four years ago, they got a second and a third for him. So, you know, if we get a conditional fifth or sixth, take it. And if we want to bring him back in the offseason, do so. I doubt they move Ross Levick. I think uh, if, they're, if you're going to do that, I think that's something you would do in the summertime after you find out how you come out of the draft, because it's going to determine not only your draft strategy, but your free agency strategy as well. Yeah, I agree with that. And, uh, you know, that's another thing about Jack. The, the way that he's playing right now, I don't know if there's a a playoff team that's saying, hey, we have to have that. But, yeah, in the summertime, you might have a team that's saying we have to have that. So, great points. As always, appreciate it. Good talking to you. Have a great week. You too. All right, let me get back to some of these other questions that were tweeted to me. And, again, if you want to get on uh, Twitter Spaces, you can do that. Just request to be a speaker, and I'll bring you up. Um, Travis Weaver here. We've been talking about centers all this time. Travis Weaver says, thoughts on Bo Horvat's extension, and does that set the market for Dylan Larkin, who the Blue Jackets may target 
if he hits the market. I think that if he hits the market thing is the key. Those those are the key words in your question, Travis. It is so hard for me to believe that he is going to hit the market. I mean, he is the captain of the Detroit Red Wings. He is from Detroit. I find it so hard to believe that he would hit the market. The guy who's the GM is a former captain of the Detroit Red Wings. He knows what that job is all about. But he also knows what fair market value is and what he needs to pay to keep his salary cap structure in place. So a lot of information coming from all different directions. Does the Horvat extension, I think the, the Islanders overpaid Horvat a little bit, but they knew they were going to have to do that, so they just did it. They felt that it was worth it, so that's what they did. So does that set the market for him? Well, I, for sure, I, I would say. If, if I'm an agent and I'm saying, hey, um, Bo Horvat got this, I think my guy's better. I know my guy's younger, so we got to at least be talking that if not more than that, and they're they're going to talk more than that. So it'll be interesting. I don't know. this The Dylan Larkin thing for me is it, there, it's, there's, something, there's something exciting about it to me. Maybe that something is he and Zach Wierenski are such good friends and he plays the center position and he's pretty good, but I don't think he's a number one center. I think he's a good number two center. On a, on a playoff team or, or a good team or a team that has a chance to win the Stanley Cup. So do you want to pay or can you afford to pay um, number one center money to a number two center? Now, if you were to say to me, okay, well, look, by July 1st, you'll be looking at, uh, or no, let's say, let's say by July 8th, you'd be looking at down the middle, Connor Bedard, Dylan Larkin, Cole Sillinger, Sean Corrali, where do I sign up for that? I'll sign up for that right now. But I'm, but I, I don't know what's going to happen there. I, you know, I've said this before, and I'll say it again. Remember Iserman when he was the GM in Tampa, he let Stephen Stamkos basically shop himself around, and Stamkos came right back to where he was, and signed to stay in Tampa. Maybe the same thing happens with Larkin. I don't know. We will have to wait and see. Mark Carell says, let's change things up just for fun. What is the pay structure of the players and the broadcasters? Do you get a game check like the NFL? Do you get uh, year-round, weekly, bi-weekly, like most everybody else, like us and most everybody else? Is it similar to teachers where you can choose seasonal pay versus year-round or something else? Good question, Mark. And here, Good question, Mark. Got to put a comma in there. Good question, Mark. <laughs> punctuation is so important isn't it so important i just last week i happened to uh accidentally stumble upon the uh 50th anniversary schoolhouse rock special ryan seacrest was hoping uh, was uh, was hosting and uh that's i just thought about that right now how important things are conjunction junction you know exclamation all that stuff so it's important to have your punctuation correct, so put a comma in there. It's a good question, comma, Mark. Anyway, for the players that get paid during the season, they get paid from the beginning of the year until the beginning of the season until the end of the season. So the players that are playing in the playoffs are done getting paid. You're playing 
I would. I almost said you're playing for free. You would come back, rightfully so, and say you're not playing for free. You got your millions of dollars already. They've paid you in advance. Okay, that's fair. Um, but the players get paid during the season. As a team employee, I get paid year-round, which is great. And I appreciate that, and I like that. Just like a regular job, you know? Every couple of weeks, I almost said every couple of weeks you go to the bank. That would be not only inaccurate, but very old school. Every couple of weeks, it shows up in your account, (laughs) right? You don't go to the bank anymore. I almost said I don't remember the last time I went to the bank, but I do because I had an issue with my debit card where somebody was drawing on it when they drawing money off that they shouldn't have, and I did have to go to the bank. Other than that, I don't go to the bank. But anyway, uh, but it's it's different for everybody in the in the business. You know, some broadcasters are employed by uh, the radio station and not by the team. Some are employed by the television company and not the team. It just it depends on. Depends on the situation that you happen to be in. Uh, what else do I have here? Coleman Groove says, what return do we get for trading Line A and Roslevic? None, because you're not going to trade them both, and you're probably not going to trade one of them right now. So the answer to your question right now is none, because it ain't going to happen. I also have something here from Specific Ocean. I don't know which ocean specifically, but Specific Ocean. It's the Twitter handle. It says, who are some under-the-radar Blue Jackets that teams across the league may have interest in trading for? I don't know if there are any under-the-radar guys that they are that anybody would be interested in. They would be very interested in guys above the radar. If I was a playoff team, and I know that there have been rumors that have been going around, and I don't... I don't think there's a lot of – I shouldn't say credibility. I, I I wouldn't put a lot of stock in it. But if I were a playoff team and if I thought I could get Boone Jenner on my team, I would I would make the call. I would see what the cost was going to be. I'll tell you that right now. And as hard as that would be to deal with here, is there anybody untouchable here? I mean, really? In the situation you're in? Now, you might say to me, well, you're just talking about having no centers, and this guy's playing the number one center position, and then, you, you know, what, you would have you would get a great haul back the other way. I mean, you, you wouldn't just you – you wouldn't trade a player like that for one thing. You'd, you'd have to get a, a piece and a prospect, and, I mean, you would – it would have to be worth your while if you were going to do that. It, it would have to be uh, – you, you would have to know you're going to be better in the long run because it would be given away a lot. But, again, my whole point is here, the situation that you're in, you know, if somebody called, and, again, now they call cell phones, but let, let's just say that it's like the old days where you're sitting at your desk and the phone buzzes and you hit it and you say, uh, uh, so-and-so's on the phone, he wants to talk to you about maybe acquiring Boone Jenner. You're in a situation this team is, you got to pick it up and listen. You don't have to do a doggone thing about it. I mean, you've got him. You, he's your captain. You've got him under contract, whatever you want. But if you pick it up and somebody makes you an offer that is just stupid, 
like something that normally wouldn't happen and is going to really benefit you in the long run, then then maybe. But other than that, no, forget about it. So under the radar guys, I don't really see any under the radar guys. You know, some teams might want to have a Kent Johnson, but why would you do that? You know, he's just playing his rookie year here, and uh, he can do a lot of good things with a puck and looks to be a part of what's going on here. So, yeah, I don't uh, I don't really – there's really no under-the-radar guys to jump out at me that teams might, might be looking to snag. So, there's some that I wouldn't mind if they were looking to snag, but I'm sure that because – I'm hoping they're looking to snag them. That's the exact reason why they wouldn't be looking to snag them. So, anyway, tomorrow night the Blue Jackets are back at home. As I've told you a couple of times, they're taking on the New Jersey Devils. It's Valentine's Day. So, if you want to come down and have dinner in the Arena District and then make your way over to Nationwide Arena for the game, I encourage you to do just that. The puck will drop at 7 o'clock tomorrow night. Our pregame coverage starts at 6.30, both on the Blue Jackets Radio Network and on Bally Sports Ohio. Then the Blue Jackets will play at home again on Thursday before taking a quick trip out west to play in Dallas and in Arizona Saturday and Sunday. I am so much looking forward to that Arizona game. I cannot tell you how much I'm looking forward to that. Next week I will tell you how much I enjoyed it. But I am looking forward to going to that little building. I'm looking forward to sitting. I I had somebody that works for the Coyotes tell me, in your broadcast position, you'll be able to hear what is being said on the bench. That's how close you are. You'll be able to hear what they're saying on the bench. So I can't wait. I, I really I'm being serious. I'm looking forward to going there and experiencing that. Because all the other trips I've taken to Arizona, you're in a cavernous building with not very many people. Now you're going to be in a tiny building that should be filled with people. And it'll be a different experience. And plus, we'll be right back down on the ice, back to the minor league days, right back down on the ice, being able to see and hear everything that's going on. So that's the schedule for the Blue Jackets this week. So thanks again for joining me. Thanks to all of you who sent questions or who asked your questions. And remember, every time I do this, you are welcome to be a part of it. You know, they say there's no such thing as a stupid question. I won't go that far, but I don't really get many of them, if any. So don't be afraid come on and ask your question. I am inviting you to do just that. That'll wrap up this edition of CBJ at 30, a Monday mailbag edition as it is. Tomorrow night, the Blue Jackets and the New Jersey Devils, 7 o'clock at Nationwide Arena. Until then, I'm Bob McElligot saying so long.